You're listening to the Desperation Podcast, a generation in desperate pursuit of God. www.desperationonline.com. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Jesus' great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Talk about that tonight. And even when I see that bumper, or even when I say that, I think one of the greatest dangers in our walk with God is becoming too familiar with that phrase. Becoming too familiar with this idea. Perhaps even in just hearing that and seeing that, you know, you go, oh yeah, heart, mind, soul, I know that verse. You know, hey, I know love of God talk. After all, I've uh, quoted John 3.16 since vacation Bible school. I sing, Lord, I'm amazed by you, how you love me. I know that song. I know God loves me. I love God. Man, I, I've been singing Jesus loves me since... As long as I can remember. And one of the things I found in my own journey is to kind of sign up one time. I'm going to be a lover of God. Memorize the verse. And think, all right, because I've charted that course and I've made a resolution, I'm there. But every single one of us, if we're honest, as we live in a very real battle, we know that the resolution one time or the resolution 10 times or the resolution even 100 times to say, hey, I'm going to be a lover of God. I'm going to give it everything. It's not a one-time, a one-time sign-up. For you and for me, if it gets too familiar and it becomes just a part of a religious rhetoric that we've memorized, then it ceases to be the living relationship that God's called it to be. Tonight, I want to talk about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. I want to talk about giving everything to Him So Matthew chapter 22, if you're there, hearing that Jesus had silenced, verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, and here it is, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Let's pray. God, we as the Mill family tonight re-sign up to be wholehearted in our love for you. We hear the command. We hear the verse. And we don't want to become so familiar that it doesn't penetrate our heart when we meditate on it. Tonight, Lord God, as 20-somethings, We look to you again and we sign up again. We want to love you with all. We want to give you everything. We love you, God. Amen. It's interesting because Jesus comes to the expert in the law here and he doesn't respond in the language that the the law expert is looking for. He looks back at him. He says, all right, you can come to me and you're an expert in the law. If we look at the verses prior to, they're trying to test him. They're not coming to Jesus with a childlike heart saying, hey, Jesus, we're really here to learn. And so could you go ahead and tell us what's the greatest? No, actually, the, the, the word there is that he came to test him. 
He's an expert in the law. He's not coming to Jesus saying, hey, I'm really, I'm really interested. I, I really want to sit at your feet and glean from the pearls of wisdom that fall from your feet, oh great one. Instead, he's looking to Jesus and he's a bit skeptical. skeptical. He's an expert in the law. And he goes, so tell me, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus looks back at him, and, and we're all familiar with this, but he looks back at him, and, and, and he talks in a language that really silences him, just like Jesus does over and over again when people come to him and try to trick him or test him. He says, I'll tell you what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that love. I'm not looking necessarily for a, a religious set of rules that you fulfill. I'm looking for the heart. I came to engage with human beings. I came to actually die on a cross in order for you to have relationship with me forever and ever. Human beings, redeemed human beings are going to live with me in eternity. Revelation 3 says they're going to sit with me on my throne. I mean, I'm looking for people not that fulfill a religious mandate. I'm looking for love. I'm looking for something beyond outward behavior. I'm looking for an internal reality, a motivation for why the behavior exists. I'm looking for love. I'm looking for average, normal people to love. And it's an intriguing thing because there's a word here that, I, that I'm just getting stuck on. There's a word here that's captivating. I want people that love me with, and here's the word, it's A-L-L, all. Because I'm, I'm, I'm looking for people that love me with all. Imagine having a conversation with him in that moment and saying, all? Yeah, all. See, we, we, it's hard for us to think in terms of all because you and I, our lives are made up of so many different fractions, right? I mean, you designate, you know, X amount of gigabytes on your 80 gigabyte iPod to you two. You give X amount to... Uh, desperation band, you do X amount to the mill podcast, you know, everybody's like the what? No, you, 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 I mean, you know, you got about 79 gigabytes dedicated to sermons and prayers, I'm sure. You got a, you got a 168 hour week and you got some designated to sleep, you know, and you got some designated for other things and you know, you got your dating life and three out of your last five girlfriends were Christians and that's good. So you think in terms of fractions there and you're pretty proud of yourself and you got a degree, you got, you know, lots of, lots of, lots of stuff and some stuff you keep and some stuff you throw away. And, and our lives are full of fractions. I mean, our lives are, are full of dividing stuff up. And it's kind of, I think, sometimes easy to do that when we enter into relationship or when we enter into our relationship with God. And just imagine looking at him and saying, you want all, yeah, all. And our temptation sometimes is to hear that and to think, that sounds like a burdensome religious mandate, God. I mean, that, that's not only a lot, that's all. And I just imagine, you know, God kind of looking at us, if, if you can kind of bear with me and go on a little journey here. Imagine the father kind of saying, really? Let me, let me give you a window into what I'm talking about. Let me give you a window into the invitation that I'm offering. See, it's very easy for you living in a fallen world, living in a 
place where our temptation is to give in to our own lusts, our own pride, and our own greed. It's very easy to look at all and say it's too much. It's very easy to try to put one foot in the God camp and one foot in my camp and do what I want. And one, one foot, you know, and doing what Jesus desires and, and another and what I desire. And, and sometimes we live in this tension where we go, I know I ought to give more and I ought to give some more and I ought to give you more time and I ought to give you more, but... Because we're holding on to much and sometimes we have a wrong perspective, I think that we start to see attention and without realizing it, when a year of following Jesus turns into two years and five years, sometimes the temptation in a fallen world is to forget that this really isn't a religious mandate, but this is a divine invitation. That this isn't just something that says, hey, here's a burdensome mandate. I really want to put a religious demand on people because, you know, I, I, I just want your life to be hard. Now he goes, what I'm looking for is I want you to give all, I want you to give all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. I want you to give everything, but let me tell you about God. You know, because realistically, before we give all, The one who's already given all is God himself. I mean, you're familiar with John 3, 16. You've been quoting it since you were a kid. You've seen it on signs between goalposts and Broncos games. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I know that I can quote that. Hey, I've written three songs about it. You know, I got the t-shirt. I can say it. I quoted it to my girlfriend on our seventh date to prove to her that I was a Christian guy so she'd marry me. I mean, I know it. I know John 3, 16, I can say it. For God so loved. But I want you to take and look at that a little bit and let's think about it. For God, for God, God so loved the world. And here's this phrase that's just crazy that he gave. He gave his son. Not one of his sons, he gave his only son. Not the thing that he cared a little bit about, but rather the son that he loved so much. Rather the, I mean, the the precious prize. I mean, his son, he says, for God so loved the world that he gave. It wasn't just like God is looking at you saying, hey, I want from you. I want something from you. He's already demonstrated the very nature of what he's requiring and what he's requesting. And he invites you to do what he's already done. For God so loved the world that he gave. You know, they say that the nature of exceptional relationships, one of the ways that you really, really know that you have a great friendship is when you've spent all kinds of time together, you know? Time builds memories. We know that Jesus exists from eternity past with his father, John 17, he says, Father, even before the creation of the world, I mean, before the foundations of the world, I mean, I'm with you. Jesus says that to his father. So Jesus has been hanging out eternity backwards with his father. And he goes, I'm going to give the son that I've I've spent eternity backwards with. I mean, to no end. I mean, like there was never, you know, I mean, always existed. You want to talk about, experiencing 
some things together. I mean, wasn't bad when they created the heavens and the earth together. John 1, 1, you know, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. All things were made. God, the Father, God, the Son. I mean, Jesus is like, yeah, I remember when we created Pike's Peak. I mean, you guys are impressed with this water that I'm walking on, but actually it was, you know, I just kind of spat and there it was years ago, you know, I mean. The Father goes, great relationship with my son, the one that I love. For God so loved the world that he gave. He gave not Out of an excess and just, you know, a small gift, he gave what he loved so dearly. He gave his only. He gave his only son. You look at Jesus, you know. Jesus walking around on planet Earth. Philippians 2 kind of describes Jesus giving. It says, let's just read it together, verse 5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But here it is. Look at this. Unbelievable. We're talking about the God of the ages here. But made himself nothing. Taking on the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. Became obedient to death. Even death on a cross. Jesus. God becomes man. We're all familiar with the story of Jesus, the God of the ages, being born in a manger, living a very common life, his first 30 years, gives up being with his father. He gives up where he's at in heaven. He gives it up that he might become a man for you and for me. I just think it's interesting. Paul says the church of Philippi here goes... He became nothing. I mean, imagine the strength of the words, he humbled himself. God becomes man for you. He gives all, gives his life. Surely we know. We look, we just read the story. He's whipped, he's mocked. Spat upon, accused, he's beaten, goes to a cross like a common criminal, gives his life for you. Puts your name in the blank, he gives his life for you. The Father gives his son. He gives what he loves. The son gives his life. He gives all. Imagine Jesus leaning over. I'm not putting a burdensome mandate on you because I'm a mean God that wants to squash hurting people because I'm more powerful. And No, he goes... I've demonstrated what it means to give all. I've demonstrated the essence of love. And I only invite you 
into what I am living, what my father is. We didn't live in eternity past and live in boredom and decide to create people because we needed to be glorified. It was this, what does one that is the essence of love do? What is the nature of love? The very essence of love is it gives. The very nature of what love is is out of an overflow of an existence of good stuff, it gives to the other. It gives out. And the nature of the purest form of love is it gives all. It gives everything. It gives much. It gives all. He says, I don't, I don't say love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength because if you don't, you know, I'm going to crush you. It's not a, 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 he says, I'm offering you the invitation into a life worth living. And when you give all, when you give all your heart, you actually get set free from the pain and the lust of the age. I'm not offering a mandate that's burdensome as much as I'm giving an invitation into a journey that's life. I'm actually inviting you into the relationship that exists within the Godhead. It's a great story. Mark chapter 12, Jesus kind of praises this lady. It's kind of an intriguing little, little verse. And most of the time that I've heard this story, I've only heard it in context to giving money. But, but let's take it and, and let's look at it tonight. Rather than the context of giving money, let's look at it in terms of our own hearts and our own lives. Let's just look at the way that Jesus responds. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a fraction of a penny. And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. For they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. And here's the word, our three-letter word for the night. All she had to live on. See, she put in all. I mean, I just imagine, you know, here's Jesus and he's sitting there, you know, at the temple and watching as people are coming and putting their coins in. And you got some rich people coming in. You got some people coming in with, you know, horses and they're kind of the rich people of the day. And you got some people on donkeys. Then you got, you know, some people that, you know, are coming with just a, a little bit and they're walking and, you know, everybody's kind of coming in and doing their thing. And Jesus is hanging. He's been preaching actually in Mark 12. And most of Mark 12 is him preaching. So he's probably had a pretty busy day. He's talking, he's preaching to the guys. It says, you know, he's sitting there, he's watching and he's hanging out with his fellas, you know? He's just hanging out with the guys he hangs out with. And, and all of a sudden, something captures his attention. I mean, out of nowhere, we're not talking about a famous person. We're not talking about an epic event. We're not talking about, you know, something that when we just look at, we go, wow. There's no wow factor to the common eye. But something captures the heart of Jesus. He's sitting there. He's talking to his fellas. You know, he's like, hey, Peter. Hey, Peter. Whoa. Peter, shut up for a minute. <laughs> Judas. Put the money down. Just put it down. John, here, get your head off my chest. Come here. 
He's like, I, I, I want your attention. He's like, you see that widow right there? I like that. Do you see what she just did? And they're like, no. He's like, she gave two mites, guys. And they're like, two mites. Yeah, that's going to do a lot for the kingdom. Gee, you know. No, 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 no. It's not about the quantity of what she gave. No, no, no. It's that she gave all that she had. It's not about what she had. It's that she gave all she had. She gave everything. Guys, you know, that's why I'm here. I'm looking for people that give everything. I'm, I, 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 the, the whole nature of the gospel story, me giving my life, I'm giving all, I'm giving everything. I'm giving everything to you. And what I'm looking for is people that reciprocate that response and give everything. Jesus is moved by a widow that gives so little, a fraction of a penny. But she gave all. She gave what cost her. She gave, in that sense, everything. Jesus goes, I like that. One of the things I've found in my own journey is that how many times do we say, God, I'll give you everything, you know? I'll give you everything, God, and I, I'm committed to that, and we'll go for it. Sing the song. I'm giving everything to God. I'm giving everything to God. I'm giving everything to God. He's giving everything to me. Oh, you know, and we're singing it. And we were to sing it correctly. I mean, if we were to really sing it about what's really going on, not at the mill. I'm not talking about Friday night where, you know, cool people are here and you got a cool cup of coffee and, you know, you got your eye on that girl over there. And if that one doesn't work out, maybe that one will work out. And if that one doesn't work out, then maybe that one. And I just, I don't even know her name, but she's an option, you know, and you're just walking. I'm giving everything, everything, everything to God. And, and, and really what's going on, and we don't want to say this, but oftentimes I know because I know in my own journey, not with that example, but it's other things. I, 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 I know, I know what it is because deep down what's going on is we're going, we got a big fat butt at the end of that song. I'm giving everything to God. I'm giving everything to God. I'm giving everything to God, but my girlfriend that I make out with twice a week and we're, you know, kind of trying to figure it out. Maybe we're sometimes we're honest, we're kind of friends with benefits, but I... Giving everything to God, I'm giving everything to God, but I like to fill my mind with really bad, just kind of gross movies, but I think I'm creative, and so I'm going to justify it, and I'm, maybe I'm going to, you know, redeem Hollywood for God, so I'll fill my mind with junk every once in a while because I kind of like it. I'm giving everything to God, I'm giving everything to God, but 
MySpace, Facebook, and YouTube because I like to waste time sometimes doing that too. Mm. Giving everything to God but my music because I just, I love music and God made me like music so I'm going to listen to really, really crappy music all the time and I'm giving everything to God but, but my addictions and my, my, my fear that I'm going to be single till I'm 40 and I'm going to give everything to God but my money because my parents were poor and so I'm afraid that I'm going to be poor so I'm going to give myself to money too and giving everything to God I'm giving every what? so ever been there? ever been there where we know for really honest instead of seeing this opportunity privilege. We see a tension that says, I'm going to hold on to my stuff and I want to try to just appease God and do enough to appease God to make him like me, but I still got my stuff and my own. Here's what I want to tell you tonight is as we respond to the invitation of loving God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, it's an invitation, not into a religious mandate, it's an invitation into a relationship that sets you free from this other stuff. It's, it's a relationship that's literally, it, it's, it's the love relationship of the ages. And where we're going to go tonight ends in John 17, where Jesus actually prays that we would be a part of that relationship, that you, I'm not talking about like, you know, the real religious guys. I'm not talking about Aaron, Glenn, and Evan. No, no, I'm talking about us. <laughs> I'm talking about normal, you know, people that were not born with little, you know, Bibles over their cribs and everything. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about normal people living day-to-day journeys, an invitation. And see, the thing is, is that when we give all, here's the, here's the nature, is that we enter into this relationship, and when we let go of the fractions, the stuff we're holding on to, here's the crazy thing. When you read John 15, you know what Jesus says? He, he talks about how he possesses joy, and he wants us to possess the same kind of joy. And verse 13 says, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. He says, you are my friends. And it's a prophetic moment where he's actually talking about he's going to go die on a cross for them. And if we could understand this, what he's saying is he's going, guys, when you give up that last fraction of the stuff and you just enter into relationship, you let go of just the religious mandate, you enter mandate, but you enter into what I'm inviting you into. He goes, that, you actually, when you let go of that, whether it be three-eighths of your heart or a fourth of your heart or one-eighth, I mean, that last fraction, I don't have your hearts in eight parts, but I'm just making that up, but that last fraction of your heart, when you give up that last, and you give all, when you give everything, when you give all, and it's, it's risky and it's hard, and in the sense you have to step out and you have to trust and you just give everything. It means my future, my tomorrow, my my. My, my dollars are yours, my minutes are yours, my, 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 my reputation is yours. God, I just, I step out and I'm not gonna fight and do it my way, I'm gonna do this thing your way and I, I give you all. The very nature of giving all and stepping into wholeheartedness 
is the place where you can start to really experience joy. Because all of a sudden you don't have to worry about that and you don't have to fight for yourself and you don't have to be in the rat race that the rest of the world that's full of narcissism and fighting for self and materialism. All of a sudden you can step out of that and you can enter into a relationship with the God of the ages and you can actually you know, step in and you go, all right, God, that's where I wanna be. I wanna be a person that gives all and in all you find joy. Giving up that last fraction is where you find joy. There's freedom in all. You're not chained to the shekels of the planet, you know? There's freedom. You're not, I meant shackled, not shekels. Not, <laughs> shackled and chained are the same word. You're not shackled to the chains of the planet. That's what I meant to say. You're not, you know, you're, you're not stuck to it. You're, you're actually set free. You're actually in giving all to God. You're, you're free and not only is there freedom, but there's, there's adventure. It's not really like a, you know, a, a religious mandate that to squelch you, but it's kind of like an on-ramp, you know? It's an on-ramp into a journey that we experience and know and live in love with God on earth. And on this side of eternity, there's a great journey to be had. But in addition, on the other side of when you die, there's a great journey. And, and when you step into this, you're giving all. And, 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 and the, the thing is that I found in, in church world, in, in religion world, in a free country where we have so much available to us is our temptation is to give a lot. I mean, a lot. I mean, like you do some internships, you read the Bible through in a year, you know, you got the, the homework style Bible, you know, five minute devos and you do it, you know, just like you do algebra, just grit your teeth and bear it through judges, you know, and you just, you, you, you do some really good things for God. You, you give sometimes and, 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 but if we were to take our own lives, I know how many times I've faced, if Jesus were watching, it would, I would be more like the guys that gave out of an abundance and, and gave a lot, but not all. But the thing that moves the heart of God and the invitation that Jesus gives in Matthew 22 and the thing that Jesus is looking for is, is all I want. All I want your heart. And when you step into that, there's a journey available there's a freedom available. There's a joy available. John 17, Jesus praying. It's intriguing to think about Jesus praying here because we all know that God becomes man. God is praying to the Father. The things that are prayed in John 17, we can just read like a history book. It's gonna happen. <laughs> You know, Jesus, when he prays, it's not wishful thinking like, man, I know I'm God. It sure would be great. I don't know, you know, how things are going to turn out, but it sure would be great if this would happen. That's, that's not what's going on. No, Jesus prays a prayer. And when Jesus prays this prayer, it's going to happen. I mean, you can write it down. It's going to take place. In John 17, he says this, and I just want to, 
read this to you. It says, I have made you known to them. So Jesus saying to the Father, I, Jesus, have made you, the Father, known to them and will continue to make you known. And here's why. Jesus says, here's, here's the reason that I came. I mean, here's why I've made you known. Here's the great part. He goes, in order that the love you, Father, have for me, Jesus, may be in them average boneheads like you and me. <laughs> he goes, in order that I've come, I've, I've personified who God is to broken people. I'm about to embrace all the pain of the cross and I've done it. I've, I've, I've revealed what the father looks like. You know, in the face of Jesus, we see what God is like. You know, in order that the love that exists is crazy. The love that exists in the heart of the father would exist in human beings. Let me, let me say that again. The love that exists in the heart of the Father for the Son, I mean, we're talking a lot. Would it, that kind of love would be in the heart of people that live with taxes to pay, that live with cars that they've wrecked and now they don't have one. To live searching, I mean, your life. He says, here's what I'm looking for. Matthew 22, 37, guys, you know, you, you wanna, okay, you really wanna know the greatest thing? You really wanna know what I'm looking for? I'm not really here to try to just up the level of outward behavior, although I'm gonna do that. Here's how I'm gonna do it. I want your heart. And I'm gonna invite you into a love relationship that goes on between actually me and my father. And I'm gonna invite you into, this is, I know that you, some of you are like, oh wow, Perkins game, he's talking about love within the Trinity and our invitation into exist in the circle of love and the Trinity. This is deep stuff, just hang with me. Dignity that we possess as human beings because of the invitation that God has given us to love him. He actually prays that there would be people on the earth that love the way that the father loves. And here's what I'm saying. If Jesus prays it, I know that there's gonna be people on the earth alive that have a fulfillment of that prayer. That intercession. In other words, if Jesus prays it, there's going to be people that possess it. And tonight, I'm just looking at my friends here at the mill and I'm saying, why not us? Why, why, why will we live as the people that don't live in love, but instead we live mostly with law and mandate? Why not? Why not enter into, I'm going to love God with everything. I'm going to love you with all my heart, all my soul, my mind, all my strength. And, and here's what happens. Because we hear a sermon like this and there's a temptation to not to push it out because there's the sadness of the remembrance of the day where you signed up before. 
And now, three years later, you know, you did that at, you know, high school camp. And now you're mature and college student, cool now. And, and now you're wise and you, you talk about philosophy and theology and with coffee. So, you, you, so you're somebody, you know. So let's discuss, let's discuss this rather than take the scriptures and say, all right, God, your word is true. I want to be a person that encounters it and knows it. And here it is. And I re-sign up again today. And you wake up tomorrow morning and you go, I re-sign up to be a man that encounters you, that knows your love again today. And then the next day, and God, I, I re-sign up. I want to be, I want to know love. First John 4, 19, we love God because he first loved us. I want to know that love. And I want the, I want the John 17, 26 love that exists in you to be in me. And I re-sign up again today. And then we fail the chemistry test. And then the girlfriend breaks up with us. And then our temptation is to go, forget it. I'm out of here. Let's just, let's just live like everybody else. Let's just live, you know, either like the world or, or, or half-hearted Christianity. Both end up in hell. So don't go there. And it, but that's our temptation. And where we have to get is we go, okay, God, I re-sign up to love with all again today. And, and one of the secrets to a life in God, one of, the, one of the privileges is that we actually keep signing up over and over and over and over and over again. It's not, it's not a one-time, watch this, I'm gonna love God, people, yeah. Have you seen the way I love God, man? I got the skill of loving God, people. I, I, I resolved it at the mill in 1999, oh, 2001. And I, no, in this relationship of following God, it's not quite that easy. It's not, it's not a one-time thing. It's uh, like all relationships. We keep working on it. We keep coming after it again and we fall short and we mess up and we realize all the things that we allow to creep in and, and we come back and we say, God, I want to give you all again. I want to love you with all my heart. I don't want to give out of my abundance. I don't want to just, I just don't want to, you know, do, read some good Christian books and, you know, even do some religious activities and then hold on to my, my little everything but stuff, you know. Uh, love gives all. You gave all. You set the example. You, you're, not, you're not asking me to do anything that you haven't done. And actually, the very nature that you've already done it and you invite me into it is the greatest privilege. How could you invite me here? I want to love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. I don't want it to just be the religious mandate that I memorized when I was a kid. Man, no, I want to live it today. I re-sign up. I 
praying again. God, give me the strength. God, help me. I want to love you with everything. We stand with me. We're going to pray this prayer together. We just stretch out your hands just like this. God, tonight, we as the mill come before you saying it's our greatest privilege to be lovers of God. It's our greatest place of privilege in seeing you and seeing what you did for us through the cross, how you came to earth, how you loved us first. You set the example of how to love and you showed us what love is. God, we tonight, we look to you saying, we want to be lovers of God. God, we want to be consumed. And all of us are so prone have little little fractions of our heart given to so many other things to allow little idols in our lives but tonight God we look to you again and we say we give you all and we don't want to hold on to those things we want you to have all so right now would you just you've just made the confession to God I'm giving you Oh, I want to love you with all my heart. But I want us just to take a moment, and I know this is a little wild, but I just want you to just come before God. And as old-fashioned as this is, I just want you to repent before God of the things that you've held on to, the little, the little fractions of your heart that keep you from giving all, keep you from true love. Some of you right now, before God, you really need to repent of lusts. Whatever capacity that looks like. Some of us right now, we just we, we need to repent of fear. I don't know if I can trust you, God. I don't know if I can give all because I don't know if you can handle my future. I don't know if you can handle my finances. I don't know if you can, I don't know if you're big enough. And so we just just look to God right now and say, God, I repent of fear. I want to give you all tonight. Love gives all. Some of you that are holding on to bitterness because of broken relationships. Maybe it's ex-girlfriends or boyfriends or parents. They've hurt you. And you feel justified to keep a piece of your heart distant from God and bitterness. And tonight, you just need to go, God, I want that fraction out. I give you all.
money. I love you with my affections. I love you with my words. I love you with my relationships. I love you with my time. I love you with everything, God. All is yours. All is yours. All is yours. speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.